So I went to amaze.org and amaze.org there on pronouns and how to featured in the mind polluters. Uh-huh. It does a great job of talking about pronouns and really breaking down how they are not connected to gender, but more about personal preference and identity and how they can change. <laughs> we then created this anchor chart together describing pronouns. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the intersection of faith, family, and filmmaking. You're listening to Fearless with Mark and Amber, a behind the scenes of our filmmaking ministry, Fearless Features, where we are creating documentary films about the issues impacting our culture and society from a biblical perspective. You can learn more about us and the movies we're making by visiting fearlessfeatures.org. It's also a great place to make that one-time or monthly donation to help us continue to share truths all across the globe. Again, that's fearlessfeatures.org. We need your help. Yes, we do. So we need we need help pressing the right buttons too. Oh yes, this is this is take two. Take two because I forgot to press record. Oh, and here we go again. So, so we're primed. We're ready. Yeah, that was uh, (laughs) slight mistake. I I believe you have my stapler. (laughs) I have an update on Daryl Brooks, who we talked about um, a couple of weeks ago. Weeks ago, this is the it wasn't me. It wasn't me podcast. Right. Um, Daryl Brooks, the 40 year old Milwaukee man accused of plowing a Ford escape SUV through a Christmas parade near Waukesha last year has been found guilty of six intentional first degree homicide counts and dozens of other charges. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm glad justice was served in that case. I am too. The decision came Wednesday after a 23 day trial, which saw the defendant who was representing himself, as we heard, Ejected from the courtroom multiple times for disruptive behavior. Mm-hmm. He attacked the credibility of witnesses on the stand, raised frivolous objections, and at one point went on a 50-minute rant that the court had a conflict of interest and he had not been able to, quote, face his accuser. Right. You mean the people who he killed? Right. I mean, right. this is how demented... Right. The parade, parade. Yeah. So those people, the parade goers who Brooks killed on November 21st, 2021, were Jackson Sparks, age eight, Tamara Durand, age 52, Jane Kulik, age 52, Leanne, that's uh, cut off something, something 71, Virginia Sorensen, 79, and Wilhelm Huspel, 81. Mm. Um, it took the judge nearly half a half hour to read through all of the jury's decisions. Wow. Afterwards, she thanked and dismissed the jurors and entered the judgments of convictions on all 76 counts. Phew. So, well, and if you get a chance, go in the show notes and, and look at the Fox News article because they've got screenshots of all of his various antics. Mm-hmm. Making faces and I, I just, he's... He's going where he belongs. Yeah. So. And well, and, and and I'll just say, and I hope that while he serves his time, that he finds the Lord. I do too. That's. And some medication because yeah. he's clearly out of his mind. Um, so we've talked uh, increasingly on this show about how the, you know, getting over the, dis- the suspension of disbelief that things are happening in the schools and that there are wackadoodle activists who actually want to take your children from you. Mm -hmm. Here's an article um, in WorldNet Daily. Transgender promoters want to help children leave homes immediately. 
offering cash and rides so gender dysphoria sufferers can flee parental advice. Sounds a lot like the abortion industry. Mm-hmm. The transgender agenda, an ide- ideology that falsely teaches boys can turn themselves into girls with just a few chemicals and major body mutilations or vice versa, is one of Joe Biden's top priorities, along with abortion for America. But it has played out across the nation over and over again in starting wars directly with the rights of parents who determine to determine their children's upbringing, a right found in multiple layers of law. And despite some leftist court rulings that parents are required to support their child's dysphoric ideals, uh, Jeff Younger comes to mind, mm-hmm. it, comes, it seems that America throughout history has not approved of radical activists simply taking children from parents in order to persuade them to adopt such concepts. Now, according to a report from The Federalist, those in support of transgenderism are offering to cut off that argument entirely by simply helping the children flee their parents entirely and without notice. Sounds like a really bad idea. Right. They think they're the Underground Railroad or something. So in Virginia, for example, the Pride Liberation Project is organizing resources to help confused minors whose parents are not supportive of their gender and or sexual identity experimentation to run away from their homes to stay with a queer friendly adult these are strangers complete strangers i mean are you kidding me why is the fbi not investigating this they are they're child trafficking out in the the open helping to traffic children to queer friendly adults The report warned, among other things, the potential for predatory behavior with this initiative is alarming. That's an You don't say. In fact, PLP leader Ariane Rawal is offering rides and money immediately. Unbelievable. Um, she recently wrote on social media, we can pay for Ubers, Lyfts, and other passes if you need to leave immediately. Right, and then what do they do? Are you are you financially supporting these children after they leave those homes? Well, Who's, they're going to put them with a queer-friendly adult. Who, well, and and how long before that queer-friendly adult wants payment, uh-huh. you know, for this kid living with them? Right. Yeah. Are they now indentured servants? In the, I, uh, I mean... In the short term, we can provide a couple hundred dollars... For a long-term arrangement, more money can be had. Uh-huh. But you're going to have to work it off. Right. Right. Um, Sounds a lot like the cartels. Oh, my you know, word. Sending people across the border. Yeah. You know, you're, you're slaves to them forever. Yeah. So and I, if you haven't had a chance yet to watch... Border uh, Battle. Border Battle. Yeah. On, it's on Salem Now. It's on right? Salem Now, yeah. Produced by... Um, Turning Point USA. Turning Point USA, Charlie Kirk. It is frightening. But it is very, very good. What is it, five part? It's a five part. So yeah. it, all five parts are out now. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, we have to, we have to continually, um, you know, breathe in, breathe out, and get ourselves over this, this disbelief. Mm-hmm. We have to deal with our disbelief that these things could be happening. Because just because we can't fathom it doesn't mean that they can't. <laughs> right. So... So speaking of that, 
and the the nature of evil and these people who are targeting children. You know who Laura Logan is. Mm-hmm. She's a she's a journalist. Isn't she's she? a journalist. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's uh, she's on Fox, and she's an interesting. She's really interesting. Uh, she's she's. Um, I don't know if she. Um, I you know identifies herself as staunchly conservative. I think she's a lot like Cheryl Atkinson. She's just very down the middle, very neutral. Tries to be very neutral. Yeah. She's a, she's a great journalist, but. I came across this uh, clip of her, and I apologize, I don't know whose show this is on, but I found this clip of her on someone else's podcast that has been going around on Twitter, which incidentally is hysterical right now. (laughs) Since Elon Musk took took over over. (laughs) and unbanned everybody. Yeah. And it it is like a grand party just to see everybody. It's funny. Uh, And all the leftists losing their minds. But Laura Logan talking about um, what's really going on with these uh, people and why they target children. So let's give a listen to this. Because okay. um, one of the things I asked him is I said, I don't, I get it, but I don't get it. The children. You just, mm-hmm. you got to, I still have, I have such a problem with this. You got to explain this one to me. And he said, um, well, first of all, you're looking at it the wrong way. I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, they don't define children the way you do. They don't define the world the way you do. The choices that you face are not their choices, right? They have a, they look at it completely differently. And, uh, and I said, well, okay, so how do they look at it? And he said, for them, everything is defined by their one fundamental, all consuming purpose. I said, which is what? He said, to defeat God. Right. Because this is the moment. I mean, for them, it's about uh, the real God. The true gods are them and Satan. Yeah. They're mm-hmm. right. And so he said, children are, children are the closest thing on earth to God because mm-hmm. we are created in the image of God. And as you know, from the moment we're created, we haven't had time to uh, to, you know, to be corrupted and destroyed. So for them, the younger you are, the closer you are to God, the more pain they can inflict on God. So the more you can make a baby or a small child suffer, the greater your victory over God. And that is the only consideration for them. Outside of that doesn't exist. Thoughts? Yeah, no, I, I I can totally see. I wish I had the rest of that, mm. you know, just to, just to hear the context of I'll, it. But I'll, I'll find it. I didn't. I just found this this morning, but yeah. I'll find the rest of that and and give people the link to the podcast because any any time she's on a podcast, it's good. Yeah, no, it just reminds me of um, when you think of abusers of children. Mm-hmm. The the reason that they abuse the child is because they're they're innocent. Children, yeah. children are innocent. And I've never really, you know, I, I haven't looked at it from the global perspective mm-hmm. of what she's talking about, but it, when you get down to the individual, um, and this is, this is, remember when we interviewed Craig yeah. Sawyer, yeah. Craig said this exact same yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. If you haven't had a chance to listen, um, well, we'll put it in the show notes cause I don't remember which episodes. <laughs> it's, a, it it's a ways back. But Craig Sawyer, who is in the mind polluters, and we put up all, all of the full interviews from the mind polluters 
on this podcast. So Craig's was, I think, a four-part yeah. interview, and he talked about this. Because he's in the child trafficking. Um, he rescues children yes. uh, through his nonprofit, Veterans for Child Rescue. Yes. And incidentally, yeah. I just saw today that they won a major settlement against... A defamation lawsuit. Defamation yep. lawsuit. Mm-hmm. And I think it was like four point six five million or yeah, something that he yeah. won for for the guy yeah. slandering him. Yeah, whether he'll ever get it or right, not right, right. Another story. I don't think the guy has anything, but mm-hmm. um, but yeah, he he has been in the thick of it for a long time. Yeah. So. Um, I have another clip here that I found on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> That's always. A treat. Yeah, this is uh, the. This one's kind of self-explanatory, but this is all about your pronouns. You ready for this? Okay. Okay. Get your duct tape ready. Okay. What's up, everyone? Today is International Pronouns Day, and I'm going to go over a lesson I do with my elementary students. Oh, great! Elementary students. Lesson is uh-huh. super easy to do, and it's something that you can just continue throughout the entire year when it comes to respecting other people's pronouns. So I went to amaze.org and we amaze.org there on pronouns and how to featured in the mind polluters. Uh-huh. It does a great job of talking about pronouns and really breaking down how they are not connected to gender, but more about personal preference and identity and how they can change. <laughs> we then created this anchor chart together describing pronouns. He's got an anchor chart on the bottom as well as in the okay. blue. The students came up with on their own. Mm-hmm. And then prior to this, we also read some books around pronouns. Of course, it is Queer History Month, so oh, we're talking about queer history. Oh, yay. yay. And I started talking about Norbert the Narwhal. We've already introduced Norbert, who uses they, them pronouns, and we no, practice Norbert making mistakes stuff with narwhal. their pronouns. As they well should as get Johnny the Walrus, Matt <laughs> Walsh. That you can implement tomorrow or at any point during the year. Have a good day. Have a good day. Huh? Huh? I, I thought that was highly appropriate, because what have we been accused of since we released the Mind Polluters? Which part? <laughs> you're going to have to fill me in on which one you're trying this to narrow is in on. This falsity. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This right? isn't happening in this schools. This isn't happening. And here's a teacher referring to ding, 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 amaze.org, yeah. which is featured heavily yeah. in the Mind Polluters. Why? Because it's part of the national sex ed standards. Yes. And if we're paying attention... I don't know if anybody is paying it. Well, there are people paying attention, especially um, here in Indiana. They're trying to rewrite the standards to reduce the academic standards by 25% by 2025. And if you go and look through some of the language, it's talking about introducing the international standards. Well, what what falls under the international standards? Well, the national sex ed standards. So, and when we've already had legislators here, because just, just a brief mm-hmm. side note, you know, you have to start looking at what's coming for the new legislative session in January. Mm-hmm. And so we, I've had conversations with several people who are watching um, the legislative session and already talking to legislators because last we should, we should add that we're in Indiana, we're in Indiana, but we also watch Texas and Nebraska, <laughs> Texas and Nebraska are great. Well, and, and others, I mean, there, there are others and Michigan's another one that, um, in Pennsylvania, but anyway, in Virginia, um, well, and the list goes on. I mean, just nationwide, you have to watch this stuff. But, uh, one of our legislators said that they would be, pushing for the national sex ed standards. Idiot. <laughs> exactly. And parents, if you want to know what these are, it's called national sex ed standards for a reason. Mm-hmm. You have these non-governmental organizations advocating for this filth. Yes. Yes, indeed. So. It's the 
What? You are not allowed to program those buttons. Duh, Ashley. Um, uh, so now let's let's talk about the uh, the tying communism and socialism to social emotional learning. Oh my you goodness. found a really good clip of Dr. James Lindsay. Yeah, and you know, and he's got, and, and I'm going to make sure to put all three. There's there's three videos just recently. There's one that's four hours long. Um, there's another one that's over an hour long. And then this one here, he was talking, speaking at an event, and it's like 30 minutes long. Mm-hmm. But if you jump to... If, if you jump to about the 15, 16 minute mark, I don't mm-hmm. remember where it was exactly, but, but I think you, you cut it. So we'll, yeah. we'll play just that part, but it's interesting how many people, you know, I had a mom, uh, a grandma actually from Iowa, send us an email just the other day. And she said, leader in me is in my grandkids school. Mm-hmm. What do I need to know? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, <laughs> we have to understand the roots of social emotional learning and why they're bringing it in. And he did such a phenomenal job. I just want to make sure to, to, to help educate people as to what it is. It looks good on paper and sounds good, but it's a Trojan horse. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is dangerous. So, okay, so let's... Circle back, circle back, circle back. Right. To uh, SEL. Well, and, and can I just say, too, yes. for social-emotional learning, and it's one of the things that we said in Texas um, after we screened the mind polluters at Mercury One, mm-hmm. and the thing that you must understand, social-emotional learning will go away if you opt your children out of all surveys. Yes. The surveys are the bloodline, the lifeline to this whole thing. They have to survey the kids to mm-hmm. get into their mind to manipulate their feelings. Yes. And to make that case, we mm-hmm. now we have two clips. So the first one is from Fox News. Uh-huh. And this is uh, Ainsley Earhart interview. She's got a she's got a, a, a group of just regular parents mm-hmm. um and she's they're talking about this kinds of thing and the first woman that she talks to is a um woman who came from china okay all right and well, great so, it'll tie right into what so james is talking about listen to what she has to say about what she sees going on here so we heard from most of y'all of why it was important for you to be here today she we didn't have time in the last segment to get to you so tell us why you wanted to be here very simple i do not want to live under communism again mm-hmm. i escaped it but it's coming here it's coming to america people need to wake up what's going on here is a communist take over. Why education? Because education is the front line of the battlefield. And uh, we talked about education is not a partisan issue. I totally agree. It is an issue between Marxism and Americanism. Absolutely. That is. Mm-hmm. Give some examples, because you said at the top of the show in the, in the six o'clock hour, you said you're seeing our schools the same thing that was happening to your school in China. Give us some examples. Indoctrination. And during the Cultural Revolution, as Mao's slogan is, uh, politics in command. In school, we learn uh, ideology first. We learn very little about academic uh, subject. And uh, tests were banned. And uh, we, we, yeah, it's exactly We are going in that direction, Exactly, right? that's yeah, the Yeah, if you look same. at all that's, the standards, they're- on mm-hmm. that same path and i want to warn people yeah fred how about you why did you want to be here because your children were a little skeptical like dad you know this could affect our family i came here um because i want my daughters to have the same excuse me 
um, I want my daughters to have the same America that I had growing Poor up. Guy, he's I so want emotional. them to have the same opportunities. Yeah. And there's that meme, you had one job. I got mm -hmm. one job, Ainsley. Yeah. And I'm not going to go down. I just want them to have the same opportunities to be free, yep. to be judged by the content of the character and on their merit. Mm -hmm. And not because they're black that, oh, you have to have this helping hand and then employers find out. Uh, no, I don't want that for them. Mm -hmm. I want the same America that I had the opportunity. Yeah. You know, I think it's interesting that listening to this Chinese woman talk about how they started doing this social brainwashing in the Chinese education system. This doesn't jive with all of the propaganda that we hear about how much smarter China is mm. than America. Mm -hmm. If this is based on the Chinese model, then how is it that they're supposedly so much smarter and so much more advanced? What we see, so if they're so much smarter, yet they this model of SEL mm -hmm. and, um, you know, socialism, communism being implemented in through the education system. If this is based on what they've done in China and what we're seeing here is that all of the academic standards are falling through the floor mm -hmm. and we're getting dumber. Because, because what did she say? They teach ideology first. Right. That's what's happening. So it doesn't jive. Mm-hmm. Because if it's if this comes from China, which is so much better, yet when it comes here, it makes everybody dumber. But I'm supposed to believe that China is so superior to us in every way because, you know, of course, they're Chinese. They've got so it figured out. They've got everything figured out. Mm. So I don't know what the real answer here is. I'm just asking the obvious question. If they're so much smarter and this system is based on their system why is it making us dumber just my just my question mm -hmm. so james Lindsay, mm -hmm. ready to play this one yeah all right here we go so this is how you get a public private partnership and with a public private partnership like klaus schwab told us you can have a top-down enforcement you can make say larry fink can put out his esg scores control massive amounts of assets i think uh the recent statistic i learned last week when i was in dc at a conference uh was that BlackRock, State Street, and Vanguard combined manage the assets in terms of pseudo-ownership of just over one-third of the S&P 500. Turns out that you can show up and manipulate companies when you own that large of a share of their stocks. You can say you're going to put these kinds of people on your board. In fact, we're going to vote for people who think like us and put them on the board. And we already have three of the board seats, so let's get two more, and now we control the board. And by the way, if you complain, we're going to devalue your G score in your ESG, which is governance. You're not governing your company right because you didn't put our people on the board. You didn't install our political officers. And so we're going to delist you, and we're going to injure your stock value. Investors are going to run away because you're not a good long-term investment, according to the cooked books that we've put out, blah, blah, blah. So in other words, what we have is not a market. We don't have free enterprise. We have a cartel. A financial cartel. You can imagine that Jimmy the Gun has showed up and said, look, they're going to put some people on your board or something bad might happen. But Jimmy the Gun is Larry Fink and the gun isn't actually a gun. It's a financial gun. And you smile and you say, we just wanted to have a company where everybody feels like they belong and that gun's pressing right into the back, right in the middle of your like fourth uh, thoracic vertebra. And you know it and nobody else does. 
and you give your political statement. So that's what the top-down management is about. That's the corporate side. The public side is to make sure that these things work together. So now our SEC has started to turn directly toward, openly turn toward ESG investment. They've tried to redefine fiduciary responsibility to be fiduciary, to, to show fiduciary responsibility to the cartel. They would say it would be bad for your, for your fiduciaries if you were to, I don't know, go against a cartel and they wreck your business. This is a very Jimmy the Gun situation, or Larry Fink the Gun. Fink the Gun sounds like a pretty good uh, name for this guy. That's the power of the top-down public-private partnership. But Klaus Schwab says that's probably not going to catch everybody. This is in the great narrative for a better future. Sounds great. This is a really better future. He says that's not going to catch everybody. There are going to be people who, like Michael said, engage in a great refusal. They're not going to go along with it. I don't want to do all that crap. I don't want to fill out the paperwork. In his words, I'm going to greenwash my company. I'm just going to check the boxes. I'm going to wokewash my company. That's actually the two words that Klaus Schwab uses in the great narrative. Greenwashing and wokewashing. And he says, well, they're not going to escape the trap of ESG because we're going to have bottom-up pressure. Their clients are going to demand it. Their customers are going to demand it. Their employees are going to demand it. And we see this bearing out. We already, I saw a statistic recently that millennials are overwhelmingly unwilling to work for a company they think is socially and environmentally irresponsible. They just won't work. That's on you, mom. Kick them out of your basement. They just won't do it. And this is what Klaus says. It's going to be demanded. Well, how in the world do you get demand at that level? Well, it turns out you have to brainwash them. And they need a brainwashing tool. Now, I don't know if you know the history of brainwashing since we're talking about things with Chinese characteristics. Do you know why we call it brainwashing? It's a cute word, right? It's because the Chinese are a blunt people. And when they set up their prisons after the Chinese Communist Party took over in 1950 or 49, they set up their prisons, their thought reform prisons is how it got translated into English. They used the term for what they were doing in the prisons. The term in Chinese and Mandarin is she now. Do you know what she now means? Well, if you have to go to the bathroom, you go to the shisho jian, which is the hand washing room. Now is brain. She now means wash brain. That's their program, and that's why we call it brainwashing. She now, brainwash. We're going to wash the brain out of the, you know, get them out of their uh, pernicious bourgeois values, old ways of thinking. We're going to wash those out, and we're going to bring in what they call the people's standpoint. The people's standpoint is how people are going to have to understand their behavior in the, in the country. So we're going to brainwash. Well, it turns out that another guy, another Marxist, operating in the 60s as well by the name of Paulo Freire, he finished his draft of his first major book, his second book, his first really significant book uh, in 1968 in Portuguese. It's called The Pedagogy of the Oppressed. It teaches you to see from the standpoint of the oppressed, not from the standpoint of the people. But the same thing. It was published for the first time actually in 1970, and it was not published in Portuguese originally, it was published in English first in 1970. And this book lays out the model that they use to transform education into a brainwashing program. Now it's evolved through the years, we could call it Ferrarian pedagogy, the generative themes model, we could call it a lot of different things, the dialogical model, he has all these different names for what he does. But it has a name now, a brand name that's kind of picked up the Ferrarian link called social and emotional learning. So there's your third acronym, SEL. SEL is designed to engage learners at the level of their social and emotional activity. What did Paulo Freire say is what you constitutes a valuable generative theme, is one that is 
relevant to the context of their life and emotionally engaging so that they'll be more interested in learning the material. In other words, this radicalizable material that the educator as a facilitator will then lead them through the correct answers, the correct understanding of the concrete contexts of their lives. Social and emotional learning is a brainwashing tool that mimics the Chinese prison and Chinese education model under Mao almost exactly, except in new flowery language developed at the Fetzer Institute in 1994. Now, if you don't know what the Fetzer Institute is, it's a new age spirituality kind of cult organization. A woman by the name of Linda Darling Hammond took this thing to the races and in her foreword that she wrote to the handbook of social and emotional learning research and practice, which was published in either 15 or 16, she wrote that when she thinks about social emotional learning, she thinks that it's humanizing and transformative. And when she says that, she says, I explicitly mean that in the Frarian way. And then she quotes Freire at length in terms of what humanizing and transformative mean. And Freire explicitly bases those conceptions off of Marx. It's the exact same thing. So what social emotional learning is designed to do as an educational program is to teach people social and emotional competencies to manage their feelings, to manage their emotions, to learn self-management, social awareness, these kinds of competencies. But it's all woke. It's transformative social emotional learning, as a matter of fact. And the way that Ferrari uh, engaged the idea was that what you're going to do is you're going to use this generative model such that what you're going to do is you're going to leave the math lesson intact. You're going to leave the reading lesson intact, but you're going to gut it of its contents and you're going to use it to do the radicalization for engagement first. They call this culturally relevant teaching now, the other CRT. Gloria Ladson-Billings, guess who she borrowed very heavily from to create culturally relevant teaching? Paulo Freire. It's the exact same model. So social emotional learning has developed to be the brainwashing tool, but it's far more than that. So I'm going to give you a little point about why communism failed. It's been attempted to transform our world. It's been attempted twice, really, in, in big scale so far. I don't want to dis, you know, dismiss the horrors of Cuba or of Vietnam or any of these other places or Korea, but there have really been two big ones, the Bolshevik Revolution in Russia and then the Chinese Revolution in China, the Maoist Revolution in China. And so these both had an error that communists have been struggling with all along. So what you actually ended up achieving in the, uh, the, the, the Bolshevik Revolution in Russia was that they installed the system thinking the system through inversion of praxis, as Marx called it, would transform man and socialism would stick and become natural. Just like now we'll have equ equity will stick and it'll become justice. Didn't work. So if you build the system and force people to live in it, turns out it doesn't work. And then in Ma with Mao, they did something different. He said, let's do a cultural revolution. Let's radicalize the youth. Let's build the people. And they'll transform the system. So the top-down method didn't work. That's Lenin. The bottom-up method from Mao, turns out that didn't work either. It worked better. But that's really because after Mao died, they swooped in and they transformed the uh, we swooped in and transformed their system. The United States did this, swooped in and transformed their system to create capitalism with Chinese characteristics. The, the test model to see if you could fuse socialism and capitalism into one thing. So you have this top-down model doesn't work. You have this bottom-up model doesn't work. What the Great Reset is, by the way, is implementing both at the same time. 
Because if you want to actually brainwash the people and rewrite the social contract using the brainwashed people, that's, by the way, what Klaus Schwab says we're going to do, is we're going to rewrite our social contract. What do you have to do? You have to gather massive, massive amounts of data about the new system you're building while you program people into believing that that new system is going to be the right thing until you get to the crucial moment and you have both at the same time. You have the new system that people will inhabit and the new people to enter that system at the same time. So now we talk about what social emotional learning is really about. Social emotional learning, if you read anything about it, they tell you again and again, we need more data. We need more data. We need more data. It's based off of having to survey the students relentlessly to understand the proper context, to understand where they are social and emotionally. This is something education's never done. Think about for a second that they're saying that we don't have enough data in virtually every one of their publications to get this off the ground. Whether this is World Economic Forum publishing about social emotional learning, whether this is the handbook of social emotional learning, whether this is an education document, it doesn't matter. They're always saying we don't have enough data, we don't have enough data, we don't have enough data. But they're implementing this at scale. They're putting it everywhere. Billions and billions of dollars being dumped into it through all these crooked scams like redefining an at-risk student as being at risk of graduating not college and career ready, where college and career ready has been redefined to mean not having all of your SEL competencies so that they can tap into that COVID money and get billions of dollars to build SEL programs in schools. But they don't have enough data to know if they work. Why? Because the whole damn thing is a data gathering scam. The whole point of the SEL is, yeah, to brainwash the kids as you go, but it's more to gather the data off of the kids to build their digital profiles as you go. And to find out what will they tolerate and what won't they tolerate. How can you move them and how won't you move them? This includes putting kids in wearable tech. They're doing this in the United States now, putting heart monitors on them while they take math tests to see how they react. They call it heart math. You can look it up. So... <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Aren't you glad you tuned in today to listen all about social emotional learning and the roots of it? Well, I was going to point out too, and I'll put the link in the show notes too. But if you want to hear more about uh, the Fetzer Institute, for example, Alex Newman mm -hmm. talked all about this. Now, it wasn't included in the Mind Polluters, but it is in his full interview, which yeah. is also, we'll leave a link to it. I think it's four or five parts. Yeah. And he had an awful lot to say about this. And he wrote. Crimes of the Educators mm -hmm. wrote it with Alex Blumenfeld. Uh, Blumenfeld, yeah. Samuel, I'm sorry, Sam, Samuel Blumenfeld. Samuel Blumenfeld, yeah. Yeah, they <laughs> co-wrote it, mm -hmm. and uh, excellent book that goes through the history of all this too. So, mm -hmm. so let's not leave people completely hopeless. What can we do? Right. Well, you know, you know, the polls are open next week for voting. Mm -hmm. Make sure you are researching who's on your ballot. Yes, you can. Vote for constitutional conservative non, candidates. Non-woke, non-commies. <laughs> yeah. Well, because when you think about it, I mean, it, it it is overwhelming because you mm -hmm. think, you know, I keep voting, I keep voting, and it doesn't, and, and look at what happened in 2020. Mm -hmm. right? <clears throat> this is not an excuse. This is not to the time to be defeatist and say, you know, it, screw it, it doesn't work. Yeah, where, where, is, was, where's, where was that article of the um, top five or seven reasons why Christians don't vote? Oh, um, yeah, I've got it right here under my Bible. <laughs> so, yes, this is from... Let's, let's just read these real this fast. This is from Whistleblower Magazine. This uh -huh. is the new issue. Hold on. I thought it was fascinating. This is... No, wait, this is September of Whistleblower, which is published by WorldNet Daily. 
David Kupelian's article. Okay, here are the most common rationales cited by non-voting Christians. Yes. Okay. So if you, if you are a non-voting Christian, listen let's, up. Let's not use these excuses. Yes. Let's have a heart to heart. Yeah. Okay. Uh, number one, their particular church denomination tells them they are quote citizens of heaven, or not part of this world, and therefore don't need to vote. Mm. I'm sure that it's like the church in Germany. Uh, yes. Like, you know, ni- 1930s. 1930s Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, is it true that you're citizens of heaven and you're not part of this world? Yes. Does that mean that you're not a citizen of this country and you need to act as a citizen under God? And it's, it's, a, it's a duty. This is our duty. It's an American duty. Because, you know, duty. What, when all, what, have we, what do we keep saying? When all this starts happening... We're all, you know, we're all coming into this and going, wait a minute, when did all this start and why, why was I asleep? Well, and, and besides that, why on earth would the founding fathers have established a system for mm-hmm. us to vote and we're not supposed to be involved? Right. And as I say all the time, uh, you don't win by playing defense. No. You have got to get out there and vote. This is the only country in the world where we still have intact voting. Does it have problems? Absolutely. Did we get robbed in 2020? Absolutely. Does that mean that we give up? No, you give up, you know the you know what's going to happen. The communists are trying to take over. They're advancing as fast as they can. It is our job as citizens to fight. Number two. Number two. They're so upset by government corruption, they feel contaminated just reading and hearing about it. How many of us don't? Suck it up, Buttercup. We <laughs> all feel contaminated. You've got you to gotta move on. Number three. They believe God will determine who leads America without their help. The Lord does establish and put in place, but are we... Can, can, you, can you see... The, I don't want to call it the wrath. What was I thinking of? Well, uh, you know, I, let me, let me dispel this argument. Uh That's so then I can take that same argument, that same mindset and say, Jesus said, look at the lilies of the field. Does not your father know? And he feeds and clothes them. Right. Yeah. So why bother going to work? Mm -hmm. Why bother preparing food? The Lord's going to provide manna from heaven. Right. Yeah. So why bother going to work? Because you know that's not biblical. Mm-hmm. Because we've been commanded, he gives us work to do. Mm-hmm. <sighs> number four? Number four, the, they believe church and state should be separate. This one drives me crazy. <laughs> this one, stop being so ignorant. Separation of church and state is a fallacy. You, it, is, it is exactly opposite of how it has been preached and indoctrinated on our whole society. Mm-hmm. Separation of church and state. First off, that phrase does not exist in the United States Constitution. We're talking about First Amendment. Congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of the press, freedom of speech, or establishing a religion, right? Separation of church and state was this phrase coined to try to explain that that means that the government is to stay out of the business of church. Right. The church is above the government, not the other way around. <sighs> number five. Number five. They believe their focus should be the gospel. Maybe I shouldn't have asked you to read these. Not <laughs> politics. And finally, underlying all these reasons, they've given up hope 
of any good ever coming out of Washington, regardless of who is elected. Indeed, many non-voters are so disillusioned by the lies and hypocrisy dominating politics that they have given up hope and walked away. That is the worst attitude to have ever. If you have, if if any of these describe you, it is time to, it's it's time for a check. Yeah. Okay. The Lord is the warrior. The Lord is his name. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Yahweh is his name. Another interpretation says what? The Lord is a man of war. Mm -hmm. That's not someone who sits around and says, oh, well, it'll work itself out. No. We've got to get up and fight. So go to the polls and vote. And vote. Do your homework on these candidates. You can vote out communists while they're still in the larval stage. Right? (laughs) Right. Go after them. Yeah. All right. So with that, thank you for joining us today. There is one more thing that you can do. If you have kids or grandkids in the school system, opt them out of all surveys in their schools. Yes. Opt out. These things will fail if you opt your kids out. So thank you for joining us. That is all the time we have for today. Have a wonderfully blessed week. We will talk to you again next Tuesday.